0: The NFL PropCast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $500 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at underdogfantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance at $1,000,000. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Welcome, everyone, to the NFL PropCast episode number two. It is currently 1157 Eastern Standard Time, and I'm joined by the prop god, Dan Titus. Dan, NFL preseason week one kicks off tonight. How are you doing this morning, my man? I'm so excited
1: to watch football. I know we had the Hall of Fame game last week but like that wasn't really preseason football like we got football all weekend this is officially when it starts I'm excited to see the QB battles who moves up the depth chart you know really get a first look at some of these teams after the pandemic and actually having a full training camp and off season to get back into the fold so I have to be talking about it man we're gonna run through some uh good props today so excited to talk about it
0: Yeah, man, it's uh, episode two for us. I know last week we covered the season-long player props for the AFC West Division and the NFC East Division. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to it, I would highly recommend doing that, man. Me and Dan killed it last week on our first pilot episode. Um, We also discussed brief, you know, division odds and regular season win totals for those teams in those respective divisions, along with giving our best bets for the season-long player props for those divisions. Uh, but before we get started for today's show, Dan, you got some big news to share with the people, man. The floor is yours.
1: Yeah, I'm usually pretty humble with this stuff, man, but I feel like the SGPN crew has been so great to me and, and the DGENs out there have been following some of my picks and, and definitely been a part of this community. And I love it. And it's with, uh, it's with some uh, humble hearts that I, I announced that I'm going to be going to Action Network I I took a producer job there where I'm going to be working primarily on their football and basketball content. I'm actually going to be at a podcast that I was doing previously called The Stretch 4 that now is going to be a part of the Buckets pod. So I'm really excited to move over there, continue talking about sports betting and fantasy sports. So it's everything that I'm passionate about and love. So check me out over there, but I will still be plugging into the SGPN crew as a guest on the NBA gambling podcast, as well as the prop cast. So not going too far, just may hear a little bit less of me, which I'm sure some of you are probably like hyped for, because Munaf is the, <laughs> is the goat here. So he's going to be taking the reins
0: for most of the hosting duties, but I'll definitely still be around. No, well-deserved for sure, man. Congrats on that. Uh, I'm sure you're going to kill it over there with action network. Uh, some may say you're joining the dark side with our man, Ryan McKee, <laughs> but definitely well-deserved man. It's been a, uh, it's been great working with you over this past NBA season. It's, it's not goodbye for sure. It's more like, see you later. And, and you're still, you're still going to be around with NBA and uh, NFL as a guest. So, um, so now I guess you'll have to, people will have to listen to my voice a lot more as, as the, uh, the host for the shows now, but um, you know, congrats on your move, man. And, and I'm sure you're going to kill it over there. Appreciate that brother. All right, so the plan for today's show, uh, we're going to be covering two more divisions, the AFC North and the NFC South. And Dan, let's just right get right into it, man. Uh, let's start with the AFC North. Uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, so the Ravens are the odds on favor to win the AFC North. I, I don't think that that's much of a surprise. They have a slight edge over the Cleveland Browns. Right now, seeing the, the Ravens at 11 wins, the Browns at ten and a half, the Bengals at six and a half, and then you got the Steelers also at eight and a half. So... You know, the Ravens, they're going through some camp issues right now. They're having a lot of injuries in their wide-receiving corps, but I don't think that that's going to really steer them in the wrong direction. I think that they're still the best team, especially on defense. Um, I think it's between them and the Cleveland Browns. But you really can't count out the Steelers. I feel like they always find a way to to, to become relevant. You know, they made the playoffs last year, had a great divisional matchup between them and the Browns in the first round. Um, but yeah, this is probably one of the more competitive divisions in football here. So in terms of betting, you know, I, I really think that the Cleveland Browns could sneak out and, and possibly win this division. It's either going to be them or the Ravens. I don't have a, a a whole ton of faith in the Steelers, just given their turnover and the way that Big Ben has played over the last few years. Like, it seems like his arm is pretty much shot, even though all reports say that he's 100%. I think we're starting to see him to, uh, fade into the twilight a little bit in his career, where you got... The Ravens, who are explosive on offense, crazy on defense, and then the Browns finally putting it together on both sides of the ball, led by Nick Chubb and their rushing attack. So it's going to be a really fun season to watch. Don't really have much faith in the Bengals. You know, mm-hmm. I think Joe Burrow, we've heard reports of him coming on a little bit slow in training camp from that Achilles tear, as well as an MCL injury, or sorry, excuse me, ACL tear and MCL injury. Mm-hmm. And uh, their defense is still atrocious. Offensive line is still a little bit suspect. So not thinking much of, of the Bengals this season.
0: Yeah, I think for the Ravens, I mean, you kind of take a look, they're pretty much top 10 in every category from a positional standpoint, especially on defense, right? Their front center is number nine, their secondary is number one. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, the 2019 NFL MVP, their old line did go through a lot of turnover, but they're still gonna be good. And they're, you know, they still have J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards in their backfield. Uh, I think one thing I wanted to ask you was that we know Lamar Jackson is so dynamic you know, scrambling with the basket. Oh, sorry, the basketball, the football making people miss and, and, you know, just so dynamic in the open field, they added two wide receivers with Sammy Watkins and then their draft pick uh, Bateman. Do you think it's wise for Harbaugh and their coaching staff? to I know it's a passing league, but do you think it's wise for them to kind of get away from the strengths of this team, which is running the ball?
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think Harbaugh has always been good about zigging and zagging. Um, And I think it's wise to give Lamar a little bit more help on on the, on the perimeter and the and the exterior, because, you know, he's going to, you know, as a running quarterback, your shelf life is is certainly less than that of a pocket passer. And we saw that in previous years, you know, his MVP season, he threw for 36 touchdowns. So it's not like this guy can't throw the ball. It's about equipping him with weapons to improve that offense. And I think we saw with them re-signing Gus Edwards, they they drafted J.K. Dobbins, which was an extremely valuable pick, and someone questioned it. Some people questioned it initially mm. because they had such a strong backfield, but I think that that's really their anchor. Their run game will always be their anchor, but I think their offense can be even more, um, even more improved if they can actually move the ball downfield. So Sammy Watkins isn't the sexiest pick, you know, to to come over in 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 free agency, but. He does have the ability to make plays. And then you got Rashad Bateman, who's going to be their home run hitter, potentially alongside Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think it's ultimately a good thing for Lamar Jackson and his outlook going forward. And that's kind of a tease to one of my, player, one of my props this season. But I think we're going to see a, a more pass-happy Ravens offense. But I think ultimately, if they have a lead, they're going to be running it down your throat. And that's yeah. more
0: status quo and what we're used to seeing in, in that offense. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, I think for this Ravens team, you know, they they have that taste of getting to that AFC championship and maybe even getting to the Super Bowl. And I think for this season, at least it's about them offensively putting it all together. You know, we we, we see the NFL now with these other teams where they're more of a passing, it's a passing league, right? And we've heard about rumors or in their training camp that they want to pass the ball more. So maybe we see that this season. I quickly wanted to ask you about the Steelers with their draft pick with with Najee Harris in his rookie season, right? The thing that kind of concerns me with the Steelers is that their O-line has had significant turnover. They're coming in ranked number 31 headed into the season. A lot of people are high on Najee Harris. But does it worry you that this offensive line may not be as good as it was in the past? And not only with Najee Harris, but with, with Big Ben, I mean, is he going to be able to stay upright, and, and I mean, he's a big guy, right? It's really hard to bring him down. But with such a weak offensive line, how do you think those two guys are going to perform going into the season? Because right now, their regular season wins are only at eight and a half, juiced heavily to the under. And they're, what, plus 500 to win this division?
1: Yeah, you know, they had a great season last year at 12 and three, uh, or at least that was when Ben Roethlisberger was at the fold when he wasn't yeah. playing hurt. Um, I don't think that this is a good sign for them you know, especially for Najee Harris, like he's a rookie and it's great that he's pretty young and spry and not like any, the complete opposite of James Connor. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like they couldn't establish a run game, which forced Ben to throw the ball 608 times last season. And that's the second, high, the third highest of his career. So I don't see that changing. I mean, they have a really good wide receiver group in terms of Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster. They even added, uh uh a tight end uh Pat Fermuth fairmuth in, in the uh in the draft this year. So I think that they they're trying to get more help for Ben knowing that he doesn't have the offensive line to potentially hold up. And it's certainly a concern, man, especially in a division like this when you have bullies like the Ravens and the and the Cleveland Browns, you know, you got Miles Garrett coming down your throat. You gotta have to protect your quarterback and He's not young, man. The dude's 38 years old, going on 39. So at this point, I'm kind of concerned about what the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be able to hold up if they're going to be able to hold up in a in a
0: 17-game season. Yeah, and I think I'm really concerned about it because now one of their guys also moved over to the for uh Alejandro Villanueva, one of their yeah. studs that's been there for a while, he moved over to the Baltimore Ravens. So that that really helps the uh Baltimore Ravens there. Uh kind of want to get to the Cleveland Browns because I think over the past couple of seasons or prior to last season, this team had probably the most hype around this team with Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb. Uh, But I think last season they finally got the right coach and rightfully so he won coach of the year last year. They added Jadavion Clowney to this team uh, uh, on the opposite side of Miles Garrett. This defense is going to be really good. Offensively, they're going to be good too. I think that it's going to be a two horse race between these two teams, but I think looking forward to the season a lot are kind of saying that the Cleveland Browns may be that dark horse, quote unquote, to make a run in the playoffs and at least get to the championship game. What are your thoughts on the Browns going into this season?
1: Yeah, I think the Browns really found their success in not, it was really rallying around Baker Mayfield in terms of understanding what his skill set is and where his strengths are. And really, the best thing that they could do is run a two-back system. And so, yep. you know, Nick Chubb left with a was sprained M- MCL for a portion of the season where Kareem Hunt had to step up and play. And he did great. He filled in admirably. So, you know, I think that there's this, this is a point where if you look at the Cleveland Browns or at least Baker Mayfield's three seasons in the NFL, he was very turnover-prone in the first two seasons. 14 picks the first in his rookie season, 21 picks in his second season – got that down to eight in his third. So I think that they've really found this balanced attack where he's not being forced to throw the ball too much. They can remain balanced in their strengths and then really rely on their defense. And, you know, you're going to have Odell Beckham back. Hopefully he'll be healthier than he's been in the past because he hasn't been too reliable. You got Jarvis Landry still out there as a weapon. But I really think that this the bread and butter of this team is built on their run game. And as long as they can sustain and continue to do that, they're going to be in a great shape to at least make a playoff run, be one of the top 2 in this division and potentially go further than that.
0: Yeah, I think getting OB, OBJ back is going to be huge. I mean, he's not going to be the guy that we've seen uh what he was I think from a statistics standpoint when he was with the New York Giants, but for him if he can get, you know, 8 900, maybe 1000 yards for this offense, uh, I think that's really going to help take some pressure off of Baker Mayfield and some of the other wide receivers. I think they have great depth all around. I mean, there's other receivers on this team with Higgins and, and Donovan People jones I, I think the, their depth at the wide receiver position is going to be really great. And now I think the biggest thing for me is that, like you mentioned, that they're able to get a coach in there that really identifies the strengths of this team, right? I think they're going to be a run-first team, and that's going to take having to rely on Baker Mayfield a lot and his turnovers are going to come down, like you said. I think that was a result of it last season. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else for this division, Dan, or should we move on to the NFC South? Yeah, looking at some division winners, you know, plus
1: odds for for all the teams here. But I think yeah. it's probably best if you go, you know, plus, plus one and a half for the, uh, for the Cleveland Browns here. I mean, I think that that's a... Being that they're so close to the Ravens and still getting plus odds there, I think that's pretty good value for them to win the division, especially if you see the Ravens start to falter in the beginning of the season just due to injuries. But I think word is, you know, over the next four weeks, we'll probably see more uh, out of the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens wide receiver camp that they'll be more on the side of healthy as we approach the season.
0: Yeah, I think one thing we forgot to mention was that strength of schedule for both the Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens, I believe, is ranked number one and number two. So they have a pretty difficult schedule this season right. uh, if you kind of go down through it. So I do like the Browns. I like the moves that they made. Um, and again, I keep on talking about the coach, but Kevin's fancy is going to be absolutely huge for this um, for this Cleveland Browns team. And their home schedule, if you kind of take a look at it, it it's pretty easy. The, the big question, I think what we'll learn a lot about this team the Cleveland Browns going to be in that week one matchup against the Kansas city chiefs going into Arrowhead in week one. I think they kind of want to make a statement that, Hey, we can beat one of the best teams, if not the best team in the AFC, uh, conference. So I'm really, I have that game circled on my, um, on, on my week one schedule. I kind of do like Browns plus the points there. Um, but I think we'll get, we'll talk about it. I think we'll get closer to the season. I agree with you. Cleveland Browns, uh, for this division uh, over the Ravens, just because of their tough schedule and the, uh, I guess the roster turnover and the injuries that they're dealing with, um, you know, might come into fruition uh, and work, I think, on the side of the Cleveland Browns as we progress through the season. Yeah, one one other note, we didn't really talk yeah. about the Bengals
1: much, but I don't really have a lot of faith in what they're doing. I'll get to one of my props later, but, you know, their season total sitting at, at six and a half and yeah i will probably gonna take the under on six and a half just because I don't think that this team has enough pieces to put it all together to, sh- to uh, accomplish, um, you know, at least six, at least six wins. And um, yeah, there's just not a lot of faith here. Like I, I like that they've upgraded their offense, but with that defense and their poor offensive line, I don't see where this team is going to really be going too far with the number six strength and schedule. Um, definitely some tough sledding for them ahead.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just don't believe in this head coach. Like you mentioned, they have the weapons on offense. I mean, they drafted Jamar Chase. You had T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd on the offensive end. Again, Joe Mixon in the backfield. Um, and like we mentioned earlier with Joe Burrow coming off of the ACL, MCL, I think he pretty much shatters the entire knee. Physically, they said he's there, but mentally he's not there yet. Right. And I think that's that's a bigger, bigger thing for an NFL quarterback that, you know, if you're still kind of worrying about the knee. Um, that might not bode well, and then you know the, the head coach Zach Taylor. I just not, I'm not a believer in this guy. I think if they get four or five wins, he's going to be gone at the end of the season, and mm-hmm. they need to bring in a young coach in there if they're if they're going to decide to move on because you have boatload of young talent on this roster. So it's 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 kind of like the Cleveland Browns situation that they kind of need to get the right coach in there and, and figure things out and and identify the strengths and weaknesses of this team. Totally agree. All right. um, Before we get to the NFC South, let's take a quick second to hear from our sponsor and then we'll move on to the NFC South. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of a win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, we have what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today. To receive a special offer, risk free $500 sports bet, download Bet Win. Download the WinBet app now or visit WynNBet.com to start winning. All right, Dan, moving on to the NFC South. Um, I'll, I'll read off the division odds and the regular season wins here to, to kind of kick this thing off. So the Buccaneers are the overwhelming favorite, rightfully so. They should be minus 200 to win this division. Their regular season win totals are set at 12. Coming in next for the division, the New Orleans Saints, plus 350. They're over under for regular season win totals is at nine, followed by the Falcons at nine to one, Panthers at 10 to one. And both the Falcons and the Panthers win totals are set at seven and a half wins. Um, Dan, uh, Buccaneers, one of the two teams this season that posted a win total or by the books of 12 games, I, mean, I believe the Kansas City Chiefs are the only other uh, team. Um, the Bucs are pretty much returning the entire roster that won the Super Bowl last year, led by the GOAT, Tom Brady. Do you think the Bucs will repeat the success they had last season, or is there a team in the division at least that can give them a run for money? I don't believe so. I wanted to get your thoughts on that first.
1: I don't think that there's a team that's going to give them a run for their money. I think that the closest the closest team to it was probably the Saints, but with that drama going on with Michael Thomas and his decision to not get surgery until this late, he's going to be missing. He's going to be on the pup list. We, we who knows if he's going to be coming back? That's a huge weapon to be losing on your on your uh, your perimeter there. And then you're still going through a QB carousel here. Like we don't know whether it's going to be Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill under under center. So there's just too many unknowns with this New Orleans team that I I think that this was probably the best bet to compete. With the Bucks, but I think that this is going to be the Bucks by a landslide here. Um, I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Um, but one thing I did want to note is I, I do think that the Carolina Panthers have a really good shot at exceeding their win total uh, of seven and a half wins. And the only reason I say that is they're ranked twenty-six in strength of schedule, so definitely a favorable schedule. They're going to be playing against these, you know, in the division. I think that they could definitely take the Falcons in two games. They could probably beat the Saints too. I I know this team now has CMC back. They have a better quarterback, I would say, a younger, better quarterback in, in Sam Darnold who really didn't have any opportunities to succeed and not to, like, paint him against, you know, Ryan Tannehill for a lack of better term, but like yeah. he had Adam Gase as his quarter, as his, as his head coach, like no one succeeds under Adam Gase. Yeah. But the good thing is, is that when they leave Adam Gase, things start to get better. So I think that there's going to be a brighter road ahead for, for the Panthers. We saw what they did in, in the draft. You know, they, they definitely beefed up their defense, which was already pretty good last year, but now they got even more help on offense getting Terrace Marshall um, uh, to compliment Robbie Anderson as well as DJ Moore. So that coupled with getting CMC, I think that we're going to see this team overperform expectations and actually be the, the surprise of the division. All the while, the Falcons will stink and the Saints will regress.
0: Yeah, it almost seems like every year, the, the amount of success that Tom Brady has, he always gets some 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 way or another. He always gets an easy schedule.
1: It's, and he just lands at these divisions that it's like, they're on their way down. <laughs> like there's no one to really compete. Like it's, it's funny the way that he's, he's navigated his career that
0: way. Yeah. And I think for the bucks, I mean, having that continuity of pretty much having that same roster back as the same roster that won the championship last year, you know, there's, it's just more about, you know, tightening the screws for this team and and really figuring out how they're just going to go out and dominate every single week. Um, you know, I agree with you, what you said about the saints and for the amount of money that they paid Taysom Hill and having Jason, or sorry, uh, uh, Winston in the quarterback rooms and not having that decision of who's going to start for this team is really curious to me because I think that there's folks out there that are saying that either one of these guys based off the pure arm strength of what was going on with Drew B's last season is an upgrade. But I don't think that is true at all because Drew Brees is one of the smartest quarterbacks in the history of the entire league. I mean, he was a winner. It didn't really translate in the playoffs for him. I mean, they had some bad luck over the past, you know, the latter part of his career, you know, with the whole Minnesota thing and um, you know, the pass interference call against the Rams, but Drew Brees, I mean, he's going to be cemented as one of the best quarterbacks of the history of the game, but now you bring in James Winston, you have Taysom Hill. I think it's going to be, a difficult task for Sean Payton to really craft this offense because I think they're really going to miss uh, Drew Brees. And like you mentioned with Michael Thomas, with the whole the injury thing, the surgery thing, I agree with you. I'm not sure if we're going to see this play or him play for the Saints this year, if at all. And who knows, he might get traded to another team. Um, and again, the weapons around, if you take away Michael Thomas and you do have Alvin, Alvin Kamara, the other what weapons is have. wide receiver court. It, what it's nothing.
1: It, Marcus Callaway. Yeah, you got freaking Adam Troutman. You got Traquan Smith. Like we're re, we're grasping for straws right now, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll I kinda, I'll get to my best bet of the season as far as win totals with this team, and you can probably already tell which way I'm leaning. But yeah, I'm not a believer with this Saints team. Getting to the Panthers, I agree with you again, hundred percent. That. I guess quarterbacks, at least Adam Gase, that do perform well. Um, You know, Sam Darnold, I think a change of scenery might be big for him. Um, Is he the answer long-term for the Carolina Panthers? We will see. Uh, I mean, early on, we heard rumors about, you know, before the Civil Suits came out with Deshaun Watson, was that Carolina was one of the front runners to land him as the quarterback there. Um, For the Falcons, you know, new head coach. Um, you know, obviously Julio Jones is gone out. It's Kevin, Calvin Ridley, uh, Kyle Pitts time. They have Mike uh, Davis also. So I think it might take a year or two or maybe longer for this team to kind of, you know, figure things out because Matt Ryan is approaching that latter part of his career also. So is there going to be a quarterback change there? Um, you know, and I, I think it's going to be a runaway for the Bucs. I mean, when you have Tom Brady and the weapons there, I think it's just going to be too much for this, too much talent for the Tampa Bay Bucs to not perform. I mean, no disrespect to the other teams. They, I think they all got better respect for the saints, but I, I think the Bucs are just at a whole nother level than the rest of this division.
1: Totally agree, man. It's going to be tough. And just go back to your Drew Brees comment for a second. Like yeah. the other thing about Drew Brees being a great quarterback, he was so accurate yeah. and you know, Jameis Winston's out there. Just <laughs> he could easily lead the league in interceptions. He could throw a ton, but I don't know that you can totally rely on him on his accuracy and his ability to lead your team to victory. Same with Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill. You know, he's, he's a guy that we don't really know that much about other than, you know, he played quarterback a little bit last year. He was pretty successful. He Mm -hmm. ate into a lot of Camara's production, but can he be a quarterback for 17 games? Like I'm not sure that I'm sold on him, you know, slinging the ball 20 times a game if he needs to. And we've seen him run, you know, Sean Payton run this, non-traditional offense of like wishbones and 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 a lot of run pass op, run pass um options read options and you know mm-hmm. I don't know if that's sustainable for the long haul so I think eventually they're, they're going to go back to James Winston because he's the best pocket passer that they have and all this gimmicky stuff while it may work for a couple wins and you know, maybe a short term in the, in the season, if we're talking long-term man, they got to get a real quarterback back there. So I think ultimately it's going to end up being Jameis, but we'll see how, how it shakes out.
0: Yeah. And they have a pretty tough schedule also. I mean, they start the season off yeah. against the Packers and they go to Carolina. They have new they go to Gillette stadium, new England. They have games against the Seahawks. You know, you play the bucks twice a year. You have the bills on the schedule. Uh, Dolphin. So, you know, you can run down the the schedule on their own, but I think it's going to be tough sledding for the um, for Sean Payne and the Saints. Do you have a best bet for this uh, uh, division? Maybe a, you know, a win total, or I don't think we want to lay minus 200 on a division odds, but do you have a win total best bet that you like.
1: Yeah, man, I'm going to ride with it. Uh, I'm going to have some faith in the Carolina Panthers here to get eight wins this season. I think that they finish out as eight and nine. Still not a 500 record, but, you know, I think that they were going to see some improvement out of Carolina.
0: Yeah, I like that one. And I think their their home schedule is pretty easy also. Um, they have, what, the 26th ranked uh, strength of schedule mm-hmm. from last season. Their win, opponent win totals are at about 47%. So I think big things are coming for Carolina, um, you know, with Matt Rule there and their coaching staff. For me, I'm going to take that under on the Saints, man, uh, that under nine for all the reasons that we just talked about with the, the quarterback change and, and, you know, the drama with Michael, uh, Michael Thomas. Um, I just don't see that they're going to have success. I think it's going to be a rude awakening knowing that Drew Brees is gone. And, and for, like you mentioned, the game planning and the gimmicks that they like to run with Taysom Hill, I don't think that's going to create season-long success for this team. And, right. you know, looking at their schedule – um, it's going to be tough sledding for them, like like I mentioned. So uh, I will go with the under nine on the new uh, New Orleans Saints win total.
1: Yeah, I love that bet, and I think everything with all the new information that's coming out, yeah. nothing is 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 proving to me that the Saints are going to be a nine win a
0: nine win team this year. Yeah, hundred percent, man. All right, before we get to our season long player prop bets for both of these divisions, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll get right into it. We're brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Football season is about to kick off, and PropSwap is here to make this your sport best season ever. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money; it just needs to improve. For example, last year Mac Jones was 25 to one to win the Heisman Trophy, and then by November he became the favorite. A PropSwap customer who bet $100 on Mac before the season sold that Heisman ticket on PropSwap for $1,000, cashing out at the right time before Devontae Smith ran away from the field. Think of PropSwap like the stock market, but for sports betting, buy low, sell high. The average seller on PropSwap makes over $500 per month, just listing and selling tickets. And when making your bets, remember to go for two. Make two tickets on the same team, so, you can sell one for a profit and keep one to leave yourself some skin in the game. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. We're also brought to you by Paramount Plus. The summer of soccer continues on Paramount Plus. Stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world. That's all the heart pounding drama from CBS Sports including UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Italy's Serie A, Argentina's Primera División, the Brasiliaro, NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation, and the CONCACAF qualifiers, featuring the stars from the US and Mexican men's national teams, plus much more. It's the best of the beautiful game with all the beautiful names like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Rampino, and Pulisic. Be part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount+. We're also brought to you by Underdog. Make sure to head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a free $25. That's right. Sign up now for a free shot at $1 million. So download the app and sign up at underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by the SGPN app. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all of our picks and podcasts. Don't forget to toss up an app review and download the SGPN app today. All right, Dan, this is why we're here, man. Let's get into our player props. And why don't we kick it off with the AFC North division? Uh, Which quarterback are you backing or fading in the AFC North division?
1: I am backing Lamar Jackson over 25 and a half passing TDs. And just as I'm saying this, I just get an alert on my phone saying Rashad Bateman will get surgery on his groin and Uh. he'll be back sometime in September. I don't know what that means, but Rashad Bateman wasn't there last year, so I'm I'm not using that as a reason to fade my man Lamar here. Much for much of the reasons why I was stating earlier, you know, I think that this is a, a team that you'll see adapt and they clearly made a a, a lot of moves in the offseason to indicate that they want to throw the ball more and I think that that's only going to bode well for Lamar Jackson. Sin at 25 and a half passing TDs. He's hit this in his last two seasons. He had 26 last year and had 36 in his MVP year. Despite the injuries to this wide receiving corpse, you know, I think he's going to be throwing a lot more, more weapons to make more plays. We saw Mark Andrews kind of have an off year last year. He was a 10 TD guy the, the previous two seasons before that. So I think you'll see him come back into the fold and really be that red zone target that he loves. I think we'll also see a lot of work from J.K. Dobbins in the passing game, I think we'll see his passing, his uh, receiving totals and receiving TDs go up as well. But overall, man, I'm just backing this Raven squad. They're really good, despite their strength of schedule. I think we'll see Lamar Jackson have to be forced into more passing situations that will only lead to more uh, opportunities to score more passing touchdowns. So, give me Lamar over 25 and a half passing TDs.
0: Yeah, I think you know we talked about earlier how the Ravens are going to have to start moving towards passing the ball more. I mean, the 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 running the the running game plan of this team is 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 solid, right? Uh, but now we kind of need to see Lamar Jackson take that next step in his right. career of being a passer, and we've heard about that all season. I looked at his passing yards, um, his season-long passing yards for Lamar Jackson as one of my bets. I didn't understand why it was so high. But I think that the touchdowns might be a safer play because you get into the red zone, the uh, scrambling ability of Lamar Jackson to maybe find someone in the corner of the end zones. Or, you know, like you mentioned, you have Hollywood Brown that get inside the red zone. You could get this guy the ball. He can, you know, make a move and get into the end zone. So Mm -hmm. I I really like that one. I think this is going to be a great season for Lamar to kind of take that next step into, you know, developing his passing game. Uh, for me, I'm going to take Baker Mayfield under 3,950 and a half passing yards. I think the key for me here is that we talked about uh, when we we're talking about the Cleveland Browns, that they're going to be a run first team, right? With Nick Chubb, Cream Hunt in that backfield and build their offense off of that. They have a great offensive line. They have two stud uh, running backs. But I think the thing for me for Mayfield is going to be keep an eye on his pass attempts per game. In the last three seasons with Mayfield under center, he's at 486, 534, and 486 in his first three uh, careers or first three years in his career. And not a single one has gotten close to 4,000 yards passing. I understand we have the extra game this season, but the closest he got was in 2019 where he had 3,827 passing yards. But I think, like I mentioned with Kevin Stefanski being – the head coach of this team for the foreseeable future is a guy that they're going to hang on to for a while. And he's really found that balance on the offensive side with the running and passing. So when you have Nick Chubb and cream hunt establish that running game and have the pass off of that. um, And I just don't see him getting anywhere near 4,000 passing yards. So I'm going to go Baker Mayfield under 3,915 and a half passing yards.
1: Yeah. I like it because You know, last season where they had their most success, you know, 11 and five, their first winning season in who knows how long playoff, playoff bound and and earned the playoff berth. He only threw for 222 yards per game. So this is a balanced offense. He's become a game manager who has some upside in throwing passing TDs. I mean, he threw 26 of them and only eight interceptions. So he's very efficient when he's in a balanced offense. And to me, this just screams you know hammer the under on that because 3,900 he's not going to be coming out here slinging like Brett Favre that's just not his <laughs> if they want to win games that's not what's going to happen that's not what's going to happen
0: yeah hopefully that one that one comes into me because of all the ones that we've made so far I think that's probably been my favorite one so far uh you're high I know we talked about the Bengals offense and the weapons that they have at there you're high on their running back who do you got Yeah, this is probably
1: my spiciest one. And it's mainly because I don't have a lot of faith in everything that's around this guy. So Mm -hmm. Joe Mixon got the bag last year and he got hurt and he only really played. I think he only had about 600 yards, you know, before he went down with injury. And ultimately I think if the Bengals were in contention, he probably would have came back, but there was no incentive to really play him when the team was just going down the shitter, especially when Joe Burrow got hurt and shattered up his knee. However, given that we're in a new a new season and we're getting all these this information around saying that burrow may not have the confidence and jamar chase is struggling out of his breaks and capturing the playbook to me this just screams hand the ball to your running back and and even if you're not going to hand the ball to your running back i think joe Mixon is going to be very involved in all facets of the game catching the ball running the ball whatever and now that he's got the money you got Burrow coming off a serious injury. I think that he's going to become the focal point of this offense. And 1,325 yards, scrimmage yards is his total right now. And he's gone over 1,400 in two of the last four seasons. The first season he had, he wasn't even a starter. So we can cancel that one out. The second season was last year when he got hurt. The other two seasons, this guy was a boss, over 1,400 scrimmage yards. So 1,325. I think that's a bit modest for a guy that if he projects to play the whole season, if this guy stays injury free, you're going to watch him blow through the water and um, I think he's going to blow through this total. So I'm going to take the over on 1,325 scrimmage yards for Joe Mixon.
0: Yeah. I like that one, especially with all the reasons that you mentioned with the Joe Burrow coming back from the uh, injury, right? That I think early on the Bengals offense might want to ease Joe Burrow's way back in um, and just kind of get his feet back under him and, the best way to do that is, you know, maybe have these dink dunk passes to your running back and then also running the football also. So, um, you know, they they do face a, a tough running uh, schedule or, or past uh, rush defenses, but that's only in the first three weeks where they face right. top 10. But after that, you take a look, they face the Jaguars, the Packers, the Lions, who are all well below average. And then you also face the Jets, the Raiders, who we talked about last week atrocious run defense and then also the Chargers. So I think Joe Mixon could really have success this season. Uh, and I really like the combination of having the scrimmage yards because you just don't have to rely on the rushing yards, right? Because Joe Mixon right. is dynamic player, catches the ball in the, in an open field, he can take it to the house. And that's the type of player that he is. So I, I really like that one. Um, for me, I actually had two uh, rushing props and the first one I'm going to start. And they're all both on the same team. And it, the first one's going to be Gus Edwards, over 600 and a half rushing yards. I know Kramer is really, really high on uh, Gus Edwards coming into the season. And, and I'll back him on that one. You know, we, we talked about the Baltimore Ravens, how they kind of have a running back by committee. Um, so I think with the departure of Mark Ingram to the Texans, that automatically moves Gus Edwards into that, that second spot right behind J.K. Dobbins. Last season, if you included Lamar Jackson's numbers in the rushing offense, Edwards still ended up with 700 or uh, more than 700 rushing yards. And in his three seasons in the league so far, he's exceeded 700 or more in every single one of them. So I think that one stat that really sticks out to me is that Edwards has averaged five yards or better per rush attempt in all three of his seasons in his career. Now that he's moved up, like I said, in the depth chart, I think he should be able to achieve this number with ease. And who knows? I mean, if there's an injury, he automatically becomes that number one guy. So I thought this number was a little conservative for me. So the first one I took was uh, Gus Edwards over six, six hundred and a half rushing yards.
1: I like that a lot, man. And in the reports out of camper that they really like Gus Edwards on first down, first or second down, and especially in the red zone as well. So he's not going away as much as people want to make J.K. Dobbins their RB one in fantasy terms. You know, Gus Edwards is going to have an active role in this offense, and he's already proven, man, you can't sit a guy that's averaging five yards a carry uh, for the for the for his career. So at this point, I think that's a really conservative number for for a guy that's going to be getting some significant playing time and even better. He's going to be the garbage time guru. So anytime that they build any kind of lead, feed the bus because he's it's he's
0: going to be beasting. 100%, man. I, I, that, that number, I think should have been at least at either 700 or 750. So uh, if you're able to shop around for that, you know, look for that 600 and a half. I still see it posted. Uh, My second one for rushing props is a guy that we just talked about on the same team, and that's going to be Lamar Jackson, man. Um, Over 900 and a half rushing yards. I know we've talked about how the Ravens have said that they want to pass the ball more with Lamar Jackson and they want him to you know kind of get away from running but as the saying goes old habits are hard to break right and i don't think the ravens in Harbaugh will take away what lamar does best and that's create opportunities in the running game and then make defenses miss back to back years lamar has had a 1000 uh, yard 1000 rushing yard season and again we have an extra game this season so i don't i think he will see plenty of opportunities to make that run you know the instincts will probably kick in where if he doesn't see a a wide receiver that's open down the field, he'll just want to take off. Um, The Steelers do come in their division opponents. Steelers do come in ranked number two rush defense, but over his career, he's averaging 40 rush yards per game against the Steelers. It's not a lot, but when you're only at a number of 900, that's really going to add up. After that, the Ravens face an average rush defense ranked around 18th. So if you take away the Steelers, if he's able to maybe, you know, combined in those two games, get 70 to 80 rushing yards, all of a sudden your rest of your opponents, the average defensive rank for rushing uh, the rush defense drops all the way down to 18. So um, I think we're both looking at Lamar Jackson to have a huge year with that's passing and running this ball um, along with the success that him and John Mara, John Harbaugh have had we might want to take a look at maybe an uh, NFL MVP prop on Lamar
1: Jackson too, because we're both high on him. That's right. And, you know, he averaged 67 rushing yards last year in his MVP campaign 80 yards per game and set the obviously set the record for rushing yards for a quarterback with 1209. So, I mean, this could be the first time we see a quarterback rush for three straight years of a thousand yards. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility You know, he could easily throw for 3,000 plus yards and another 1,000 for on the ground. So I love Lamar Jackson this season, and I think you're right. We need to be looking at his MVP um, odds because I think the way that we're projecting him to have a great season, despite that strength of schedule, this guy's going to be a monster.
0: Yeah, man. And um, yeah, I'll I'll have to pull that up uh, and see because I already I'm already down on two MVPs. I guess adding one more won't hurt. (laughs) Uh, Going over to wide receivers. You like a guy out of the Steelers camp who you got, man.
1: Yeah, Chase Claypool. This guy is is becoming an emerging star in Pittsburgh. And, you know, we saw him have this really. Dynamic over-the-shoulder catch in the preseason game and the Hall of Fame game to start it off. I don't expect to see him too much more in the preseason after doing that because he looked like he came up a little bit hobbled. But, I mean, I, I'm looking at his receiving TDs prop, man. It's sitting at six and a half, and this guy gets this in – I think he could literally get this in a, in a few games. Um, we saw last year he scored three TDs in, against the Eagles. He scored two against the Browns in the playoffs last year. He finished with nine receiving touchdowns and that was, wasn't even as a starter. And he wound up tying the team lead with, with Juju Smith Schuster with nine. I think he's established himself as the red zone threat and their main red zone target for the Steelers. And after only playing 63% of the snaps last year, I think we're going to see that definitely rise to more of the 70, 80 range, if not, you know, on the field at all times as that, as that wide receiver. And, um, yeah, man, I just don't think that there's going to be much stopping this guy from getting six and a half TDs. I think he's going to be more, and we're going to be looking at double-digit potentially receiving TDs, all-purpose all TDs. You know, he could probably put up 11 or 12 this season, so I'm really excited for Chase Claypool this year. I think he emerges as the wide receiver, the true wide receiver one and, and threat for the, for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
0: I don't know how these Steelers always find like these really good great wide receivers in in the draft man I think they do the best job in the entire National Football League of finding these wide receivers because I mean if you you go back and look at the history of wide receivers with the Steelers it is absolutely amazing to see and I think Chase Claypool last season had a great year like you mentioned in the uh, preseason one you know the time that he was in that game he looked good made a great catch um I mean, what can you say about this guy? I really agree with you that he might be a great down the field target and also a red zone target for Big Ben. Um, and like we talked about early in the podcast is that if this offensive line doesn't have much success running the football, they're going to have to start throwing the football. Yep. And if you're able to find Claypool, not only in the red zone, but also find him in the open field and, you know, he's able to break a couple of tackles and just take it to the house. He has that type of you know power and not only that, but he also has that speed. So um yeah, I like that over six and a half touchdowns for Chase Claypool. And we know Ben loves to throw the football, so um, right. I expect a big year out of all these receivers. Yeah, and, um, and just want to add
1: yeah, one, one last point. James yeah. Washington has already stated that he wants to be traded, so that's one yeah. less person that he has to move above on the depth chart. I know he was competing with him last year because chase Claypool only had six starts last year. So I think we're going to see a whole lot of chase Claypool coming into t- this uh, upcoming season.
0: Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, I saw that note come across and there's just too many mouths of feet on that side. Right. And we're kind of right. seeing it in the numbers for uh, the Steelers wide receivers, uh, which kind of nicely transitions into mine. Uh, I'm going with Juju Smith Schuster over 790 and a half receiving yards. Um, You know, we just talked about the Steelers offense. There's a lot of mouths to feed, but this is a contract year for Juju, man. He, he re-signed with the Steelers for one year. um, So he's going to have to show out. And I really like backing guys that are, you know, in the contract year because they're, they know that they have to show out and earn that contract, but He's exceeded this numbers in three out of his four seasons. Um, this number is a little conservative for me. I think he can get around that 850, 900, maybe even 1,000 um, uh, receiving yards. Playpool will get plenty of attention, like we just talked about, um, from defenses. And this opens up opportunities for guys like Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot you know, to get the yard. So you know, Juju is also the longest tenured wide receiver with Big Ben, which is kind of crazy to see because all these guys are so young. So I guess they've kind of built that chemistry year over year between Big Ben and Juju Schuster. So, um I'll let you have Claypool get all the uh receiving <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, I'll just need Juju to eat up those yards to set up Claypool to get those touchdowns. Exactly.
1: I mean, and Juju last year had his highest catch percentage ever at 76%, 75.8. So, yeah. him and him and Ben definitely have a rapport. So I think you're on to something with the fact that hey He's the longest tenured wide receiver on the roster. He's in a contract year. Give me all that upside. I think he's going to have a heck of a year um, between the between the, the hash marks.
0: 100%, man. Anything else for player pros for this division, or you want to move on to the NFC South? Yeah, let's move on to the NFC South. All right, man. Uh, so that was the AFC North. Now we're going to get into the NFC South, and I'll let you kick it off, man. Who do you like for your quarterback in this division? Matty Ice, I'm not paying the price, man.
1: Under <laughs> 29 and a half TDs. He's only eclipsed this four times in his, thir- in his 13-year career. He lost his top weapon in Julio Jones, and he's left with the rookie Kyle Pitts, mm-hmm. Russell Gage to go alongside of Calvin Ridley. Now, while I think Calvin Ridley is going to have an exquisite season, I think this guy's going to be one of the best wide receivers in the game. We saw what he did whenever Julio Jones left the field. The guy was an absolute monster, but... Outside of the him, I'm not really buying into, I mean, how many how many tight ends have come out of the gates and, and had a 1,000 yards. Russell Gage, we don't really know what we're going to get out of him quite yet in that number two role. But it's just a lot of uncertainty for me for a guy that has not only not many weapons on offense, but also this Falcons team is still trying to figure out their identity post Julio Jones era and 29 and a half to me sounds a bit high considering that Matt Ryan hasn't done this in two years so um, to think that he's just going to come out slinging their defense isn't very good so there's a chance that they're going to be playing from behind against some garbage time touchdowns but I don't see it with with the Falcons offense is going to be dynamic enough to sustain 30 touchdowns for for Matt Ryan this upcoming season
0: but wasn't that the case last year, too, where they were playing from behind a lot and he still didn't exceed this number? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, and uh they also have Mike Davis. I mean, we're not sure where they're going to get out of that uh, backfield from him. But, um, yeah, like you mentioned, he is a year older now. The last time he had this number go over was in the 2018 season. But prior to that, it was in the 2016 season. So back-to-back seasons, he's had 26. Yeah. Even though we have an extra game, I mean, let's just even average. He throws three more. You're still at 29. So right. um, the, the only part that does concern me, yeah, is they are going to be playing from behind. But again, you know, what we've seen Arthur Smith come over from the Tennessee Titans and they love to run the ball with Derrick Henry. So if they're going to be getting production out of this offense, I think it'll have probably have to start with the uh, run, the, the backfield of the uh, Atlanta Falcons. But if you kind of go back and look at what Ryan Tannehill did with the Tennessee Titans, I don't think he exceeded that number either uh, of 29 right. and a half. And I think he had better weapons in Tennessee versus what Matt uh, uh, Matty Ice has in Atlanta. Great point. Yeah, so for mine, for the NFC South is a guy that we had talked about earlier. Uh, now I'm kind of nervous about it, but I'm going with Sam Darnold under 3,915 and a half yards. Now, the thing that scares me is the point that you made about how quarterbacks just flourish after they leave Adam Gase. So I'm a little nervous about this one, but I'm still kind of going to uh, back it here. Uh, the number was a little high for me when I looked at it, but we know the Panthers were one of the teams that were the front runners for Deshaun Watson, right? And with the whole situation going down here in Houston, we're not sure what's going to happen. We're here about Philly might be the front runner to land him uh, because of what's going on over there with J- uh, Jalen Hurts. But like I had mentioned earlier, the Carolina Panthers prior to what the rumors came out about uh, Deshaun Watson were or the civil suits that the Panthers were the leading, um, leading team to get the services of Deshaun Watson. So that kind of tells me that they may not be sold uh, with Darnold as part of their future plans. Um, Darnold in his three year career has not finished a full season. He hasn't played more than 13 games. He's been out with. Injuries—he's been out with mono, or whatever the case has been with this guy. Um, <laughs> there's also the fact that they have PJ Walker as a backup, who's a real exciting player, man. Um, Darnold, in his past three years, barely got over 3,000 passing uh, yards, uh, and that's that was just once in. Sorry, he got over 3,000 passing yards just once in 13 games, um, and his completion percentage is well around. 59 to 60 percent so I think accuracy might be an issue with Sam Darnold now that there is the fact that he isn't in in a change of his uh, scenery like I mentioned leaving the Jets going over to the Panthers so that may help him but I think asking him to post a career high in passing yards of close to 4,000 I think for me is a tall order to ask of him especially when you have a guy like CMC where he can hand the ball off to and the guy is just so dynamic but i um, a little nervous about this, but I, but I thought that number was a little too high for me. Yeah,
1: that seems a lot. That seems really high. You know, considering that the guy has never thrown for more than 3,100 yards in his career to go up to 3,900 just in a change of scenery with a couple more weapons and the, one of the best running backs in football. I don't know. That's a, that's a tall order to get behind too, man. So I agree with you. I, I would also take the under, I still think Sam Darnold's going to have a better season, yeah. but a better season could still be 38, 3,700 yards. Right. So, um, 100%. yeah, I just don't know that I could get behind the 3,900. That just seems like a really large gap to fill in just a year's time.
0: And you're staying in the Atlanta Falcons cap uh, camp with your running back player. do You got
1: I am man, and I guess I'm just fading the Falcons here. And uh, Mike Davis, I just I don't know that I can trust him for a full season here. Um, his his rushing total is sitting at 800 and a half rushing yards, but he's only topped 100 carries twice in his career. And as the backup to CMC last year, you know, once CMC went down, it was his time, and he averaged 3.9 yards per carry, which isn't bad. You know, four yards a carry definitely moves the chains, but I think we saw once he started getting that workload. He just started to wear down, and as we got later to the season, we saw that he was very inefficient. Despite getting the carries and the pass catching, he just really what his body just couldn't sustain that kind of a of a of a, of a, a increase. So, you know, it's a Matt Ryan pass happy offense. I think we're going to see this team trailing quite a bit, and I don't think that that leaves a lot of room for Mike Davis to just up and rush for eight hundred yards. And uh, you know, I, I don't, I do think that it will be a running back by committee. We've seen. Quadre Allison get some rave reviews. You know, they, they made a couple draft picks in the backfield. I think that they're content with doing this RB by committee. And despite, you know, whether Mike Davis is the RB one to start the season, I don't know that he's going to end that way. And I think we'll see a churn of quite a few running backs going through here enough that,
0: you know, Mike Davis will not sniff 800 and a half rushing yards. Yeah, I think the point that you made about as the season progresses that it may weigh, wear him down because he hasn't really had a full season um ever in his career right this is he came yeah yeah, he came into the league in 2015 um single digits in his first three career or or first three years of his career six eight and six he had one full season with the Seattle uh, Seahawks but he only played in six games I'm sorry uh in 2018 uh 15 games Started two games. I mean, he hasn't been a bona fide starter. And like you mentioned with the Carolina Panthers last season, when CMC went down, he only got, a, what, 600 – oh, sorry, uh, yeah, 642 yards. So I, I think especially with a team like we talked about with the Falcons that may be playing from behind a lot because their defense is going to be so bad that opportunities of running the ball may not be there for Mike Davis. Um, and like you mentioned, like with the draft picks that they had, you know, drafting a couple of running backs – and going by committee, I think that's really going to take a good chunk of meat off of the bone for Mike Davis. So I really like that pick also. Um, yeah, you know, you're know, you just that. fading this Atlanta team.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I just don't – yeah, I'm just not feeling it. I mean, if I had a – I probably could have chosen a Calvin Ridley over because that dude's going to go off. But um just wanted to add one last thing. Like, yeah. Mike Davis is actually really good at catching the ball. So mm. maybe that's another way that I could look at it. It's like, well, I don't like his rushing total – his receiving total could probably be pretty decent, considering that he had he had a catch rate of eighty four percent last year, and he's yeah. been over eighty percent for the last uh, five seasons. So the dude could definitely catch the ball, and he had three hundred and seventy three receiving yards last year. So I think he's still going to be involved. Just I don't know that it's going to be stro- solely on the ground.
0: Yeah, and I, I think like you mentioned that how Atlanta likes to sling the ball around. Um, if you're able to find a prop on Mike Davis reception yards, I'm quickly looking if I can see if I can find one on one of these books, but I don't see one. But, you know, for him to have 59 receptions last season on 70 targets, I think that, you know, if you're able to find that prop on Mike Davis, I think that may be a better one than taking an over on his rushing props. But I think, Dan, you're right on it by taking the under on his uh, uh, season long rushing yards of under, what, uh, 800 and a half. So I really like that one. Uh, for me um, I I, I targeted a running back here Uh, it wasn't rushing yards but I'm taking Alvin Kamara over 70 and a half receptions and we talked about earlier where we were talking about the Saints is that with the departure or not the departure but with Mike uh, Michael Thomas not really being there and the lack of wide receiver depth on this Saints team um, I think this is really going to open up the receptions for Alvin Kamara. And I mean, I, I guess that maybe I'm falling for the line here, but Kamara has had at least 80 receptions in all four years with the Saints. Um, so, you know, if um, if there's going to be a quarterback change, I, I just don't believe that Kamara will be the focal point of the Saints offense, especially with Michael Thomas disgruntled, like I mentioned. So who knows what the future holds for him. But I think this offense is going to be predicated around uh, Michael Thomas sorry uh, Alvin Kamara and I really like that over 70 and a half reception yards
1: yeah man and just to go into my last one I mean I also have Alvin Kamara but I'm gonna go with his scrimmage yards much for the same reasons man like I don't see with Michael Thomas out of commission this is gonna be Kamara's backfield much like I was liking the you know the scrimmage yards for Joe Mixon there's not many options around him so this guy's gonna feast He's hit 1,500, um, his his scrimmage yards is sitting at 1,500.5, and he's hit this in three of his last four seasons. And, you know, I'm all for Alvin Kamara's season. I think he's going to be an RB1, probably a top three choice, top three, top four choice in fantasy football. Everything's going to go through him. So whether it be receptions, running the ball, touchdowns,
0: this guy's going to have a monster season if he can stay healthy hundred percent. agree, man. And I'm not like, we talked about saints. I'm not a buyer, but Alvin Mm -hmm. Kamara is such a dynamic player in this league that he can make, who knows he might be able to go for 2000 scrimmage yards. Um, For my last one um, I'm going to go with that Atlanta Falcons team and it's going to be Russell Gage over 700 and a half receiving yards. Uh, This number is a little conservative for me too, man. I know Julio Jones is gone, really moves up to the number one receiver and, and Russell Gage is now the number two in the Falcon system. I do understand that Kyle Pitts is there and is going to be featured also, but I think that's more than likely means that the second or third quarterback will be covering Gage, and I expect a huge increase in his targets. From 2019 to 2020, his targets went up from 74 to 109, and his catch percentage is around 66%, but I think that should improve. Um, this may be a guy, uh, Dan, we want to keep an eye on for the preseason to see how he does with reps and how many targets he gets. But with, like you mentioned, with maybe Calvin really getting so much attention, and not Kyle Pitts. Uh, I think this might be a sneaky uh, good season for Russell Gage, especially when he's went over this number. Um, I think uh, all throughout his career.
1: Yeah, and he didn't even start every game last season, right? Because Julio Jones was still around, and this guy still saw a hundred targets. Like, there's a yeah. ton of targets to that have been freed up with him gone. I don't think we're gonna see as as big of a uh, of a splash as Kyle Pitts is going to make I think really we're going to see that progression of Russell Gage so I love I love the play here
0: yeah man and I think that if uh Mike Davis has a bad season and uh Matty Ice has a bad season hopefully Russell Gage is a shining spot for the uh Atlanta Falcons (laughs) but um anything else for this division Dan any best bets or anything else that you wanted to cover for these two divisions Nah, man I
1: think uh I'll probably think of some other ones, but I love your plays here. And, you know, I think we have a nice mix of variability between the two teams getting all of the the AFC, uh, the AFC North and the NFC South divisions kind of covered here. Um, so excited for the preseason to start and see some of these players in action and see if we can uh, hit some of these long season totals.
0: Yeah, I man, and I, I know we're, we we talk about taking unders with season-long totals, uh, player props. But if you're able to find those value on those underrated guys, like we've talked about, um, the over can you know provide significant value because you know it's not com- uh, accounted for. Um, so that kind of brings us to the end of uh, episode number two today, man. Uh, Dan, we've now covered what four out of the eight divisions. We have four more to go. And we're just getting closer and closer to the NFL season. We have preseason kicking off tonight, like I mentioned, and this weekend. Uh, so football is back, man. I'm excited and uh, definitely will be keeping an eye out for all these players. Uh, Dan, where can the people find you, man?
1: Find me at, at Dan Titus. That's D-A-N-T-I-T-U-S. And I'll be talking about all things football and hoops as well. And the Summer League still going on, too. So catch me on the NBA Gambling Podcast as well. And... Yeah. Tune into our next couple episodes of the prop cast. Cause we're going to be having some special guests before we get into that week one action.
0: Yeah, man. I'm excited, man. we we have two more episodes to go to get through all these divisions and all of a sudden we're going to be in NFL week one. So if you haven't listened to the first one where we'll we covered the AFC West and the NFC East do that. Uh, hopefully we get this one dropped later today. Um and that kind of brings us to the end of the show, man. You can find me on Twitter at SportsNerd824, uh, dropping all my MLB plays, NFL future uh, bets. You know, some of the guys have been DMing me about questions, so my DMs are always open. Uh, lastly, you know, make sure to subscribe to the SGPN feed. You know, I know we're going to be getting our own feed for this NFL propcast very, very soon. Um, but make sure to you know check out all the other shows: the fantasy football, the golf. The guys are just grinding it out. Um, I'll be recording an MLB gambling podcast tonight. So uh, busy times for the uh, sports gambling podcast network. Uh, Dan, anything else?
1: Nah, man, we can't wait to the, let's watch some football tonight, man. We're going to be in the Slack channel. So hit us up there and be sure to tune into the SGPN feed for our latest propcast episode until we get our own feed for this, but uh, appreciate the support guys and can't wait for the NFL season to kick off.
0: Yes, sir. Echoing what Dan said. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will talk to you all next week. In the meantime, let it ride.